0: what's up podcast welcome back to another episode of hospitality tv i'm your host Raphael peterson and this is your direct connect to the world of hospitality a couple of months ago we had master sommelier bobby stuckey in san diego and i was able to interview him for my channel it was a great time i posted several clips from that interview so make sure to check it out but we also had him do a seminar for a small group of people in the industry on hospitality this is the audio podcast from that seminar. I cannot express enough on how stoked I am for you guys to listen to this, especially around this time of year. We're getting into the holidays. If you're listening to this in the first place, I really appreciate you and your time. I know it's a busy time for everybody, but I can't stress enough how important it is to revisit these messages that Bobby is sharing with everybody. The hospitality mindset, living a positive mindset to be able to take care of yourself which in turn is going to allow you to take care of your guests we talk about that a lot he talked about mental health in our industry the longevity of our industry how people who work in our industry are perceived compared to other careers there's so many good nuggets in this episode i'm really excited for you guys to listen to it please check it out and as always Please don't forget to subscribe to the channel. podcast is live on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And of course, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, at Hospitality TV. Can't wait for you guys to hear it and let me know what you think. Happy holidays, everyone.
1: Okie dokie. How's everyone doing? Did everyone get a bite to eat? Um, So we've all tasted some wine. Learned about Scarpetta. Now let's, uh, they said, hey Bobby, would you like to talk about hospitality? Um, I would love to. How many, um, first of all, I wanna talk about our industry and hospitality because for so many reasons, this should be, this should be the greatest moment ever in the restaurant industry. And we have a couple things fighting against us. And it really hurts my feelings. Not that I take it personally, but I care about our industry so much. I thought we'd be so far along from where we were 30 years ago. There should be, there is, I'm a positive guy. I like to think positive. I think there's so many positive things going on right now, but there's a couple things that's holding us back. And I'll talk about those. But, and it really hurt, it's, it, look, I grew up, as a sommelier 25 years ago. For those of you who weren't in the industry then, sommeliers had a bad rap. They were exclusive. They didn't care about all the guests. They didn't even care about the guests. It was very snooty. Service was very different. And then people like Danny Meyer and people came up with the idea with Enlightened Hospitality and people were inspired. We started doing great hospitality in the front of the house and it really trickled down to wine. And I really thought that exclusive sommeliers, meaning ones that are only cared about themselves or their cliques, were in the rear view mirror. And now it's crept back up and we've forgotten about the hospitality. Why has it crept back up? Well, there's a, a few different factors that all add up to it creeping back in. Some groups of sommeliers have forgotten that it's about the whole bell curve of our guests. The whole bell curve. Not just the people you go out with on your night off and people that look like you and feel like you and are the same age, but the whole bell curve of the guests. We've forgotten about that. That was so important 20, 15, 20 years ago. we become we become so trying so hard to be inclusive and now we're not doing that. And that really hurts my feelings. Another thing that happened, no one puts their hand up and becomes a manager or a beverage professional because they're forced to. They put their hand up because they want to be. No one is forced to be a wine director. No one's forced to be a simile. You put your hand up to do that and you say, I want to be a wine professional. What does a professional mean? It means that you've you've worked really hard to do something to give the best knowledge to yourself, to give to the guests. At the exact same moment, we've had this huge explosion of restaurants across the United States, which is awesome. When I was a young sommelier in Arizona in 1994, I had to leave my state because there were no jobs for wine professionals in the state of Arizona. I had to go somewhere else. Now you can be in Cincinnati and get a similar job. They're available all across the United States. It's amazing. That is a really big positive. The problem is when you expanded all these positions, And then you get people into those positions that might not want to work really hard, or They're not motivated or they're not enlightened to work really hard to get those positions. There's nothing more deadly to hospitality than people that don't want to have discipline in the craft. They're saying you want to be a professional, but a professional means you've worked really hard at something. How many people go to the dentist? Who wants to go to a dentist that's really enthusiastic about dentistry? Golly, me, I really think it's really cool to be a dentist, but I decided not to go through schooling to be a dentist. That would probably not be very cool. I don't want to go see a dentist to drill on me that's just enthusiastic but hasn't done the work. Costs about a couple hundred bucks to get a filling, right? Well, let's think about our guests. How many guests, let's, remember, we're gonna think about all the bell curve of our guests. Let's think about those guests that before they've come to see you, they've gotten a babysitter. How much does it cost to get two kids taken care of so they can come into your restaurant? How much did they pay? Yeah, 16 bucks an hour for two kids. So they've already, before they've come to see you, they've already spent almost 100 bucks. Then they're having dinner. Then they're gonna hopefully have a bottle of wine. They might be into a dental appointment to come see you. We better have the right people that are not just enthusiasts operating on their date night. We wanna have people that have training to have that. And we have this very weird thing in our industry right now that some of us are really into working hard and studying and learning more. And then we've got a whole group there that that a whole click there to say, hey, that's a bad thing to work really hard and learn more and do that, like the qualification, that's, that's garbage. No, you don't wanna be snooty, but you need to have that metis and learn how to speak to your guests. It's really important. So I think that's hurting hospitality and we've had this huge explosion of restaurants, which is a good thing, but we don't have a lot of great people leading our employees coming in? I'm gonna brag one thing about one of my employees. It's one of the most special things about Frasca. I have a lady I've worked with. I say work with, she doesn't work for me. She's the GM. No one works for me in my company. We all work together. But I have a lady who works with me. Her name is Rose Voda. She's worked with me since 1990. No, she hates when I say this. She's worked with me since 1996. I'm like, Why are you bummed about that, Rose? Like, that's awesome. She's from Long Island. She's like, shut up. Everyone in this dining room knows how to do the math. They say 1996. They're trying to figure out my age. I'm like, okay, Rose, settle down. So she doesn't like that I say how long she's been in the industry, but I'm so proud of how long she's been in the industry that everyone who works with her tonight, well, tonight's Wednesday. She's off on Wednesdays. She's off Sunday and Wednesdays she's a GM she doesn't take an office day she's in the trenches five shifts a week on the floor driving it everyone who works with her gets they don't even know what they get they get a chance to be with a warrior who's done this craft for 20 some years but there's so many restaurants and I even own a few where we get we promote somebody who is really enthusiastic, has great energy, and really great positivity, but might not have the craft yet. I got in a lot of trouble. In the fall, I was interviewed in Daily Beast piece. I said something that got me in a lot of trouble. I said, Alice Waters once said it took seven years to be a great waiter. So I just repeated what she said. I said, even if she's exaggerating, Maybe it takes five years to be a great waiter. If it takes five years to be a great waiter, how long should it be to be a great GM? Or a great sommelier? How long should it be? Seven years? Okay. Well, if we know that's the case, but it's not reality, but we know that's probably numerically right, but that's not the reality. We've got a big push and pull problem. People are getting promoted because of great enthusiasm, which is great, but they might not have the craft to train people, and so that piece came out and I had even my own employees. I, I asked an uh, employee of mine that's 29 years old, I said, Tyler, what do you think about this? He's like, man, a lot of people in my tasting group that, who don't work for us were really pissed off at you for saying that. You don't understand. If you're 27 years old and you started waiting tables when you graduated from college, you've only been a waiter for four years, but you wanna be a wine director. You don't understand. It really hurts our feelings. Your generation was a lot different. And so I had to be a hospitality thinker and go, oh my God, I gotta be empathetic to all these different generations that have different needs and different wants I can be empathetic, but I still have to think that reality is, across the U.S., we need to create a culture where there's this craft to do things, and that really affects hospitality. Right? It really affects hospitality. Hospitality — I got in trouble at the James Beard Awards because I said, hey, we got to change the service award to the hospitality award. Why would I want to do that? Well, service — do you guys ever get your oil changed? That's service. Hospitality is how you make someone feel. And it's not just us in the front of the house. Chefs can be great at hospitality. Everyone should be, it should be the whole house. Everyone's thinking about the guests. But it's hard to think about the guests in the United States because we don't have a culture for hospitality. My wife used to work in Japan. My wife was a model. She worked in Milan, Paris, Tokyo. And she's a great study of people. She's like. Bobby, we don't have it, like Japanese, they really understand hospitality because it's not about them, it's about the guests. We're a country, what are we about? Ourselves, I mean, we created Instagram. I mean, I've looked at it four times already today, man. like, like come on. We created Instagram. Our culture is not geared for hospitality. We're the farthest away from hospitality of all the cultures. Because what is hospitality about? Selflessness. Selflessness. It's about the other person. It's always about thinking about the other person. So if we are someone who's like I don't want a qualification. I don't that doesn't fit for me and my group and I want to be my way, you're Stunting yourself into hospitality because hospitality is always about someone else. But when hospitality is done right, it's so powerful. It's so like gives me goosebumps. It's so powerful. I kind of wish I'm not to get political here. Doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. We can all agree the current president is not very hospitable. He's genetically not set up for hospitality. Doesn't matter if you are a Republican or not. That guy is not about other people. Doesn't matter. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be hospitable to be a great president. That's your own decision. I personally think Hospitality is really powerful. When you learn about hospitality, you can be a better leader. And our generations have changed so much. How many here manage people? Everyone right now who manages people has it so much harder than 20 years ago. So much harder. When I was a 25 year old uh, young Sommelier moving into management, I had it so much easier than you. Because I'm a, I guess my, if I'm 50 this year, I'm a Generation X. Generation X and baby boomers are much more closer in what they care about. They're very similar. Like, I didn't care about a review at the, restaurant i worked at unless i was getting a freaking raise now as a hospitality professional that's not me but i have to learn to talk that way all of us have it really hard how many remember the book jack welch uh he was the ceo of ge he had that book he was a national bestseller 20 years ago his philosophy and what we all grew up with if you're that generation was that philosophy was you just scare everyone to death that 10% is going to get fired every year. That's jackpot. That was considered MBA, Harvard, the best way to manage. Could we imagine managing today if everyone walking into work was going to be scared that 10 out of 100 of them were going to get fired by you at any moment? Could you imagine leading like that now? Is that crazy? You couldn't do that. It's not. You're not. We have three percent unemployment in this country. We need more people to be working. We need to fire less. And look how expensive it is to train now. Probably in California. Probably I'm, I don't work in California anymore. I've, I left here 16 years ago, 15 years ago to open my restaurant. But I bet you it costs 2,500 bucks to train a host now or a line chef, just to train them. So if we're firing 10% of our population and you have 100 employees and you're firing, that's $25,000 in training if no one else leaves a year burnt. Now that's not good hospitality. So all of you out there, I'm going on a tangent, but all of you out there, if that's how intense managing is with hospitality, we need to get that into our life. And we're just so not ready for that. So the, you all managing now, are, it's so much harder because you have a generation that wants a review of a review while managing the same person who never wants a review. We never, I didn't never had that problem. I never had to manage two totally different needs of generations, but I find it fascinating and I find it where hospitality starts with our employees first and then we bring it to the guests. Versus the old school where it was fake, where we all didn't treat anyone nicely, but then we walked on the dining room floor when the light went up and we were very hospitable or nice to our guests. That doesn't work. We gotta be about our, our employees and our coworkers and then be great with the guests. That's really hard to do. What does that mean for wine, sir? Well, wine hospitality. We should be the best generation of wine hospitality in America. We have the, the skills, we just have to work a little harder. We could be so powerful, but we don't want to. It's, this should be the easiest, it should be a layup. We just as a group need to work harder and get in there and we can do some incredible wine hospitality. There's better wine than there's ever been. We have guests that really care. Guests are way more knowledgeable. They can get more information than off the phone. But I saw a study last week that came out. Do you know we're actually the younger generation? I I was banking on the millennials. The millennials are actually drinking less wine, but they're more vocal. It's kind of like I live in Boulder. I do the study, we have less than 10% of our guests are gluten-free, but I hear 1,000 times more, my wife's gluten-free, about gluten-free. It's a big megaphone. Study shows we're, we're, we're selling less wine to millennials. They're drinking less, but they're very vocal about the attention they want to get for the drinking they're doing. That's a tragedy. We should be so good at getting all these, guys these people, because the millennials now have second jobs. They're in that, we need to get all the millennials drinking more wine or we're really dead in the water. This should not be happening, but it is happening. We need to look at ourselves and how do we get everyone inclusive, really important. Best way to be inclusive is to think of the whole bell curve of the guests, not just the guests that look like ourselves. So like me, I can't just look at middle-aged white dudes is my bell curve. I gotta look at 25 year olds, and I gotta look at 75 year olds. Or, if you're a 25 year old, you can't just think of your group with a Misfits t-shirt on. By the way, I saw the Misfits when they came around the first generation, 1983, so I can wear one, right? I'm allowed to, I'm a punk rocker from the 80s. You're 27 years old and you haven't seen the Misfits, don't put the t-shirt on. But, (laughs) seriously. I stole that line from my brother. My brother just went and saw the Misfits in L.A. He's like, dude, it's like every wine guy. He's not in the wine industry, but he's my brother. He's like, it's like every sommelier in Venice was at that show. They felt obligated because they had been wearing that T-shirt for two years and they didn't know anything about the Misfits. I was like, that is fucking hilarious. Thank you, Larry. But it's true. Like, we can't just think about us in our Misfits T-shirt as who we're doing wine for, we gotta think of me too. So we gotta, both of it, right, right? So I think that's really important. I think hospitality is so important. We can do such a great job with it, but we've gotta think about not ourselves. We gotta think of our coworkers and our guests all the time. And we gotta get training in all the time to, get, to raise the bar. I think about it. If I need, a, I have a 200 employees. If I need to hire a human resources director I just look at their resume and as long as they fit culturally, I can hire them. But if you are trying to hire, if, if you're trying to hire a sommelier for one of your restaurants and you own five restaurants, how do you know if they understand budget? How do they understand taking care of guests and training? Do you know? Do we have accreditation that says, hey, this person's ready to go? We don't, do we? Then we need to ask for that. I don't know. If someone knows of that accreditation, I I don't know about it, but I would like to be able to look at a resume and know that they've got all that, but we're at a moment, which we need, but we're in a moment in our generation where we don't want any of that. We want to askew those creditations and stuff. Well, then you can't be a professional if you askew stuff or we've gone back to the beginning of the conversation. I don't want to have a dentist that's enthusiastic, but hasn't done the training. He nailed it. He nailed three points there. that are really key I'll go backwards to the first look. That guy was there 35 years in Valtellina. He can make an experience, even a, as he said, a cheesy dining room feel great. I was just in Rome. I posted all three servers on Instagram that I was blown away with. The youngest server that I was blown away with had been there 28 years. So we're being disrespectful if we say, Hey, I can be so-and-so in three years. That's very disrespectful to these guys that are guys or gals like Rose who have worked on their craft that long. It does take a long time. But also don't wait, be present. Don't wait or encourage your employees not to wait to be great. You know, you we all know the employee that says, "Hey, I'm a kind of a goof off barback, but I swear if you give me a shot at the title, I'll get my act together." No, be present. Get your act together now to become great, that, that, that's the thing. And then if we are studying really hard, how do we learn to communicate that to the our employees and guests at the same level? Like I think of San Diego, I think you guys are in a very interesting spot because you have a lot of tourism. You have tourism that comes from, like I think of like, I do some consulting for American Airlines, so I'm in Dallas a lot, Dallas has a certain wine lexicon. Scottsdale, where I grew up, has a certain wine lexicon. You have a lot of, I was getting a coffee today uh, after my run in, in Mission Beach, I was listening to the people online, and the lady's like, oh, where are you from? He's like, oh, I'm from Phoenix. And the next "Oh, oh, I'm from Scottsdale. So that, those are the people dining with you that, tonight. Plus you've got people moving here from New York, coming down from Seattle. You guys have this like kismet of like could not be more diverse guests sitting next to each other. You might have that young couple from Brooklyn that totally understands Vini Maturati or orange wine, but then you've got that couple from from Kirland in Scottsdale, they've, dude, white burgundy's weird to them. How do you talk to them both? And I, I, I found inspiration from a scientist, and I, I think we should all learn to do this. Uh, there's a professor at CU, he was up for the position of the pres the Larry, and I'm drawing a blank in his name, who's the president of Harvard. He got that position because Tom Check turned it down. Tom Check won a Nobel Prize. Pretty smart. Win a Nobel Prize, you're smart. Just so we're aware. He won a, a Nobel Prize. Tom Check, you can Google him. He teaches freshman chemistry every year because he didn't want the job at Harvard because he wanted to keep teaching. Now, if Tom Check can talk to an 18-year-old about science, every one of us can talk to our guests about California Chardonnay and Pinot Grigio and then the next guest about Barolo, right? But we have to choose to be Tom Checks. And that's pretty crazy, huh? This guy still teaches freshmen 100 level science and he's won a nobel prize so at the same time he can talk to the smartest people on planet earth and blow them away there's a lot of inspiration there there's a lot of hospitality there that you can do that but we've got to learn how to do that how do we talk to our guests and our employees how do we get that young food runner inspired to become dustin wilson Justin Wilson, so you know, started at Froska as a food runner. Always look, look, you don't know where the next Dustin Wilson is. I hope all of us have these young, energetic, you know them, that energetic kid who just wants to learn and it's almost kind of annoying at first because they're asking you so many questions. You should be hugging that person. And because of things like MasterChef and um, the movie Psalm. We're in an incredible position, let's not waste it. In 1992, when I was a waiter, and I told my girlfriend, now she's not my wife, with my girlfriend then, she didn't make the cut, or I didn't make the cut, one of us didn't, but you'll read into this right now. I told her that I didn't wanna go to graduate school, I wanted to be, and I didn't even know, in 1992, we didn't have sommelier positions, you could just be a waiter to a captain to a maitre d', but I just knew I wanted to be in the restaurant business. We didn't have some positions. I just told her, remember it was a Thursday. I said, I think I'm not gonna go to graduate school. I wanna be a food professional. I didn't know what that meant. I, I thought it meant to be a maitre d'. She looked at me and she said, whatever you do, do not tell my mom and dad that Sunday night when we have dinner. <laughs> but that was normal. For us, 28 years ago, it was a blue collar craft and now we have all these energetic people that are now turned on to our industry. I mean, I had a parent call me the other day who said, hey, my son's taking a gap year from Harvard. Can they learn about the restaurant industry? I'd be like, no, don't let them in our industry. Person yeah. getting into Harvard? I mean, I can barely write my name. Dyslexic kid, I like challenge. Like that is amazing. Just so you know, that didn't used to happen. Now we have all these smart people that want to be in our industry. We need to provide an environment that's, that's inspiring for these people. If we do the right thing, our industry is going to be amazing five years, seven years from now, but we got to do the right things. And we got to say no when people are doing the wrong things like, like so much though, but that's a little bit there. Does anyone have any questions? Now you guys, I put it all out there. You guys know where I stand. Trey, this is an incredible point. I'm going to email Devin Borgiel right when I get to my hotel room tonight. No, seriously. We definitely need pieces. We need in our industry, not just in the quartermaster similes. We need to grow up as an industry and hold on to the greatness of the craft and the hard work and the blue collarness, and add that to it. And we could be so omnipotent. It could be such a great industry. But that is an awesome point. But we need to combine both of those things. Like, we can't give up, and we, we're currently doing that. We've given up the, the the blue collar grittiness. We need to hold on to that, the craft. Like being, a, I always say I'm like a bricklayer, like right, like that's really what I do. Yeah. I mean, it really. There's something to be said to be able to do a four course menu and knock it out and do that discipline, and then you can go work in a casual restaurant a lot. Differently, Not easier or harder, but differently. But yes, so we need that, but we also need these ethics. We need all these things. And one other thing I haven't brought up, I have never worn my quartermaster's sommelier pin ever on a dining room floor. The only time I wear it is when I teach, because they make me, and that's fine. There's only one pin I have ever worn on a dining room floor, and I only wore it starting this year, and I wear it when I remember is the green ribbon of NAMI, the North American uh, mental illness pin. That's another thing we need to talk about in our industry is look, we have a really hard industry, mental health. If I came to work and told Rose, the GM, hey, I have asthma. Can I keep my asthma inhaler on me or at the front desk? What would we say? Of Of course. But what if you have mental health and you have to tell your, um, boss, Hey, I might be bipolar. I might have depression. I might have anxiety. We don't even bring that conversation up. That's something we really need to do in our industry and we're not doing it. And it really, I want us to get better at that. And our industry needs that because our industry is tougher than other industries. I'm never saying our industry is easy. Our industry is tougher. You know why? If I was a surgeon, I'm not, don't, don't confuse me. I barely got out of like high school and barely got out of college. Um, But if I was a surgeon, any of my family members, if I had to work Christmas Eve because I was on call, what would they say? Oh, he's an emergency room surgeon. He's on call. I'm so proud of him. It's so bad. we'll, We'll leave a little Christmas Eve dinner for them. But what do loved ones do? Maybe not your direct loved one, but someone in your solar system Maybe your husband or your wife's mom, mother-in-law, what do they do when you talk about, oh, I got to work Friday night, I'm in the restaurant industry? I hate that industry. So we're in an industry that we work the same hours as an emergency room surgeon, but an emergency room surgeon is 100% empowered, allotted, appreciated, and proud of. And in our industry, we work nights and holidays and people hate it. Think about that. That's hard for some people to adjust to. Every one of us, everyone that we train, every one of our employees, if they stay in our industry long enough, they're either gonna have a best friend, a loved one, a family member, hate the industry they chose. I can tell you, if you're a surgeon, no one hates what you do. They're proud of you. You're getting a lot of positive reinforcement. We get a lot of negative, and I think that also hurts our deal with mental health because we're in a a, a environment that someone in our solar system doesn't like it. It's kind of interesting. Any other questions? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, I don't have the answers. Uh, I do think our industry is 100% the abused industry. Um, No one's thinking about what we're going through. Do I think we need to have living wage increase? 100%. But it's not the restaurant owner or GM who's running that P&L statement's responsibility. It's every one of these guests out here. And I think California is a little bit more progressive in talking about this than the rest of the country. The problem is with the rest of the country, no one, they're kicking the can down the road. No one wants to talk about this. It's really intense. Um, There's so many things against the restaurant business that no one even knows of and it's getting more and more suffocating and we need as a society to be okay with paying more for food. We need to be okay paying more with our going out to dinner experience because we need to pay for all these things. There's so many little things that no one even knows of. This is a great example. The wage thing is untenable. We've got to figure this out. I don't have the answer, but what about this? How many people uh, don't own their house, but they rent? Okay, if you rent, you sign your lease, and that's what it is. How many people here own a restaurant, but don't own the property, they rent their restaurant space? Just to let you know, No one talks about this. If a restaurant's gonna be around 10 years, which is great, they are in the Western United States, commercial real estate is punitive to the tenant. Because you know how everything's gone up in price in California? Your rent as a person living in it goes up, but it doesn't change during your lease. The restaurant you work in The landlord gets a rent uh, tax increase from the state. Does he pay for it? It's called your triple net. So triple net, so people who aren't in, don't have a lease as someone raised their eyebrows. Triple net is your insurance tax to, to do the building. So the restaurants are paying higher triple net now than they did even their rent 10 years ago because they're paying the higher property taxes for the state. The tenant pays that, not the landlord. It's a very unique thing in the Western United States. If you're in Italy, you don't pay the taxes for the landlord. The landlord pays it. But it's written into the leases here because developers didn't expect their tenants to last that long. So that's something that's a big problem. If we all think about how expensive rents have gotten here, think about how expensive triple net is. And then this this wage deal, I don't know, is it better to put a surcharge on there? I don't know. I think the best thing is more people like Danny Meyer speaking about this. I you know, I don't I like I could go for 2 hours about this. I don't have the answer. What are we doing? Well, right now we're not doing the right thing to myself. We're just trying to raise the the wage to my employees, but it's not I can't do that forever. It's really intense. And also I think about it, what if we're lucky enough to have a waiter for 10 years, right? We're not doing the right thing, just letting them be in the gratuity pool. Do you know why? How many people get who how many people here are not part of a tip pool that get a review and a raise every year? Or yeah, right? Feels good, right? Feels good when you get a raise. You go home to your spouse and you say, Honey, I got a raise. Or if you're or if you're not married, you, you text your friend, let's go get a drink, I got a raise. There is a, a cortisol shift, positivity, if you get a raise. Waiters don't get raises. Well, they actually get raises, they don't know what happens. If we raise our prices. They get a raise, they don't even know. They never get that cortisol positivity that they got a raise. Because they're, they're it's not not anyone's fault. They're used to the tip pool, which is great. It's support a lot of things, but it doesn't allow those steps of that positive cortisol when you get a review and you get a raise. Is ever? I mean, have you ever thought about that? It's been great, I mean, because you're probably part of the tip pool. It's pretty wild, huh? Yes. So I mean, we haven't done it. I mean, remember, I'm in Boulder, Colorado. When I opened 15 years ago, my city did not take. No one took reservations. Like that's how backwards Boulder was. Like they did not take reservations. But I think about this all the time. I really think something has to shift. Danny Meyer is doing the yeoman's work. I can't believe how much he gets picked on for what he's doing. And, and people like throwing class action lawsuits, saying it's not fair that he's has tips included. Like it's crazy. We need to get to really be to grow as an industry. I think that would be the next step. I mean, gratuity is not that the answer on that. It's like we really need to get it all whole, and maybe that would help, but. Right now the wage situation is so intense. The wage situation, the, if you don't own and you rent as a, as a, land, as a operator is really intense. And consumers don't wanna pay their weight. Could you imagine, we talked about the surgeon that gets Friday night call. If a, if a surgeon or a dentist or a hairstylist or anybody, wants to come in to your restaurant on Friday night and you know that they wanted a 7.30 and you didn't have it you gave them a 6.30 and they showed up at seven, they kind of cheated and came at seven, what do you do? You have to seat them. Could you imagine going to your dentist, your annual dentist appointment and showing up 30 to 35 minutes late for your dentist appointment, what happens? First of all, have you ever even tried to reschedule your dentist appointment? <laughs> It's freaking impossible. Could you imagine if you showed up 30 minutes, they wouldn't let you in. You'd have to reschedule. We have an industry that, because we're about hospitality, we do all these things that hurt our own industry. We hurt ourselves because of it, that. and that's that's not right. Or could you imagine if you booked a hotel um, at um, a great hotel in Los Angeles for a getaway weekend and you didn't show up? What would happen? Charge you. You didn't show up for your plane tomorrow, what would happen? Get charged. But our industry, it's like, oh, thanks for not showing up. Yeah, we'd still love to take you next Friday. Right? It's like our whole industry, there's a lot that needs, there's a like a bunch of little things that need to come together, and it would be really beautiful. As long as we all did the right thing, for sure. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. With more stress. With
0: more stress. Yeah. And, and, and when I wanted to have a family I wanted to be able to it, like you said, been, my, my dad was like, then you gonna get a good job. I was thinking better money
1: than anybody in my family as a waiter at the White House than, so, Yeah. like movement and the management side of things are like, you know, to be respectful. You know, so just, we're just not as you know there's some people we've got the passion. I think everybody in this room has the passion to be to be great, just so I do there's a lot of this stuff. No, it's hard. So hard. It's, it's, it, hard. It's, a it's such a good, my blood, my blood so great. What is so true. We want, we need to inspire. We need to encourage people to do great things. We cannot let movements that say, Hey, don't try to be great. Remember, we don't want to have the dentist. That's just enthusiastic. We want the dentist that knows how to drill on our teeth. Same with our industry. One last thing I was going to talk about, and this goes to the greatness thing. Um, And this is a little bit of a soapbox, but I really believe this. If you go to college, A is 90% to 100, right? Above average is uh, 80% to 90. Average is 70 to 79. How many people want to be average? How many people wanna be above average? How many people wanna be great? But do we really wanna be great? How many wanna suffer to be great? So I, and this is just for the restaurant workers, and I want you to bring this back to pre-service. I was working at the Little Nell, and you don't have to do what I do, but I'm gonna just use the the numerical number. I was working at the Little Nell, I was in my uh, late 20s. I wanted to be great, and I, I did something weird. I first thing I did is I would not go out to work except for the one night, I would go one night a week out after work. And then in 1999, which is 20 years ago, I stopped going out after work and only went out like on a night off. Because how many of our, because our industry unfortunately glamorizes, drinking too much, eating too much. We're trying to shift that. But I mean, look, rest in peace. Anthony Bourdain didn't help things with Kitchen Confidential. How many young people got turned on to the abusiveness of our industry? So if someone shows up to work hungover um, to work twice a week, that week, there's no way they can be excellent. Because you only got five shifts. One shift is 20%. So you have one day that you're not excellent, you're only at 80%. If you if you ace the rest of the week, you're at above average. If you if you if you have an employee or you yourself show up really go out really late two nights a week on nights that you work, the best week you're going to have is a 70%er. Cuz this industry is really hard. And we want to have longevity in this industry. How many people, you know, the people that get to like 35 years old and they're like, holy moly, I'm destroyed in this industry? Well, part of that is self inflicted, right? We're wearing ourselves out. This is a really hard physical industry. You got to take care of yourself to be great. And you just got to say, am I going to be a hundred percenter? Or I'm going to be a 70%er. I don't like talking about this in public. I can't believe I'm doing this. I get very self conscious because I, I, I know it sounds preachy. I do tell it to my own employees. They never listen to me. But I'm allowed to talk in my own restaurant about this philosophy. Doesn't mean anyone embraces me on it, no one does. But, you know, I went out, uh, Fourth of July was on a Thursday this year. We had to work Friday. I had a good time, Fourth of July. But I shut it down early, but I had a good time. I know. If I had 4th of July twice a week, I could not be who I am. I have it once a year where, you know, you have a night like that and you might work the next day. But how many do we know of our employees that are having 4th of July twice a week? Right? It's intense. And no one, no one wants to talk about that. Yeah. But I don't think think guests really understand how to do the math. I heard this from, I'm not going to call out names, but a really good friend of mine who runs, and it was very enlightening. They went to Service Included in New York. Their wine sales went down, even though it was the same price. Why? Because Harry and John go out, and they drink an $80 bottle of wine, and they tip 20%. Harry and John do not buy a ninety-six dollar bottle of wine, so they were still buying the eighty-dollar bottle of wine, but it had the service included, so they were buying a sixty-five dollar bottle, of wine. and that happened all across the board for those people. So that is, it is something proven that people just have these, they don't know how to do the math themselves. They're so used to adding the gratuity it's interesting stuff god i hope so yeah
0: any other questions folks just like just to kind of wrap that up with a little bow i mean it's not like it's just the rents. So it's not like it's just the wages i mean when i started this industry 10 years ago you know a, a rack of ribeyes was like five six seven dollars a pound and every
1: 12 dollars up for a 13.5 it's like
0: no. it's, oh, not, yeah. it's not what about vegetables what have, oh gosh, which is yeah. freaking
1: awesome that we're into vegetables but yeah, man they are $96. so much more expensive than they used to be which is great farmers get it everyone's getting it but the restaurant because if you how many times do you hear a guest complain about a veg, your viduri like if you have a vegetable entree so like why is this so expensive vegetables are actually if you look at the cost of breaking them down and cleaning them and getting them into the walk-in there's more labor in them than taking a freaking huge thing of 7X Wagyu. But we don't get credit for things like vegetables. Vegetables, the cost of vegetables, way more expensive than they used to. They're so much better. It's so much more exciting that we're eating vegetables. But we, no one's picked up the margin yet. Yeah, it's a great point. Anything else? How am I doing? I think did I go too long? Sorry. Thanks for spending some time with me. I hope you enjoyed it. If you hated me, that's okay too. I've got thick skin. You know, if it was too preachy or whatever, but that's, I just hope that we get really good at taking care of the whole house, our employees, our coworkers, that we're great with the person who's bringing the fish in the back door, our wine sales reps, our bus boys, and then also being great to our guests out there too, like the whole house for sure, so. And I'm around if anyone has any questions or anything. Thanks so much.